Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is episode 130. Don't know why I said that like a darty man, but um <laughs> been watching a lot of Bullseye on YouTube, actually. My name's Stephen Hill. Did That's Renfrey say- Deadman. React to Bullseye, Renfrey. Hello there. Well, I'm reacting. Um, Jim mm. Bowen, lovely stuff. Did you say 130? Yep. 130. That's 140, isn't it? No. No, it's 130. He's oh, yeah. doing the maths now. <laughs> No, that is totally my fuck up. My apologies. Yeah, yeah, it's under yeah. <laughs> Keep that in. Keep that in. <laughs> I mean, uh, I do the edits, so oh, I probably will keep it. Yeah, but that's me telling you to keep that in. Um, <laughs> Renfrey, future Renfrey, keep wrong past Renfrey in the show. Uh, there's, hi, a lot hi, going, there's a lot going on this week, so I've got... Quite a lot going on. Yes, there is a lot of music to be talking about on this week's show. We're going to be reviewing new music from Foo Fighters, from Cult of Luna, from Weezer, from Madlib, from Portrayal of Guilt, and from Memory of Elephants. Plus, we have got news on Broken Records, the hopefully not too long forgotten Broken Records segment that we were doing sort of just before Christmas, which sort of went away because things were busy. We'll talk to you about that in a little bit. But before we do, as ever, we have to do a kind of virtual audio high five to our compadres over at Signature Brew. That is Renfrey did actually do that. Slapped his hand. That was so camp as well. <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to provide uh, audio a compliment. That's all. Mm. Uh, yes. They have spent a decade going up and down the country, picking bands like Sports Team, Idols, Mogwai, The Darkness, uh, Mastodon, Enter Shikari, and more to create music-themed beverages for your enjoyment. And I have to say, they're lovely. We were talking about that black metal beer, the Nocturne beer. Yes, yes we were. Um, this is becoming, I have to say, I sort of admitted this last week, this is kind of be- maybe become a bit of a problem actually Renfrew I went for another socially distanced walk with my friend Stu um the other day and again I snuck a couple of cans in the coat pocket out onto the streets the streets Uh-oh. of Overton and I had <laughs> cause a can havoc. cause yeah cause cause, absolute well, anarchy just walked yeah we knocked over a waste paper basket <laughs> up on Waltham Road um yeah and we we drunk them on the street and we both were like oh these are this is lovely this is a lovely beer. And I have to say, the Nocturne, the black the black metal IPA, I think it's my favourite one. It's perfect for rioting. Yeah, well, I mean, yes, which is good for me, obviously, <laughs> as, a, as a legit card-carrying hooligan. Not but, so good for yeah, the residents of Waltham, what was it, that road? Waltham Road, it was yeah. Road. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they're the worst part of town. <laughs> It's lovely. It's really, really good. So go over to signaturebrew.co.uk. Order yourself some of that. I, I, oh, it's lovely that. I gave him one. I regretted. I re- immediately regretted giving him my last can of that. I had See, two of them left. The bad thing about people. Um, the bad thing about. <laughs> the bad Full thing stop. about people. The bad thing about um, uh, getting sent free beer from Signature Brew is everyone. Mm. It's like the milky bars are on me. You know, everyone just assumes that I can give out free beer to people left, right and centre now. And and I, I want to stockpile it for myself, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you are a selfish, greedy man. I, it's definitely <laughs> yes. Yes. no doubt about it whatsoever. But anyway, yeah. thanks very much to them. Uh, they're a lovely bunch of chaps. Lads, if you want to send me some more of that Nocturne, I will snap it. I, I won't be giving it away so easily let me tell you that for for nothing so go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and when you buy yourself some beer which you should definitely do 
You can put the code RIOTACT in the checkout and you'll get 10% off all and any of your purchases. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Uh, also, go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Podcast, and you can sign up for our Rioteers reviews, um, which are where you, as a Rioteer, get to choose an album or suggest an album. The list of albums at this point are fucking massive, absolutely massive. It's but- astronomical astronomical but you know i'm 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 more than happy to keep telling people to continue to you know plow in keep giving us as many albums as you as you want i i i'm fine with that you're less fine with it i know it, it breaks me out in hives but it's fine please we'll get through them all one day <laughs> even if it kills both of us yeah and it probably will this week one went up on nightmares made flesh by bloodbath mm. where we talked about death metal quite a lot yeah and how much fun death metal can be. It's really and, fun. Spoiler alert, it can be lots of fun. Mm. And that Bloodbath album is really, really good. So that's up there. We are about to do, we're about to get ready because we're about to do I'd, maybe maybe the biggest Rioters review that we've done so far. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. I'm quite nervous about doing this one. But yeah, there is a lot to talk well, about. Cultural appropriation, isn't it? Uh, Paul well, Simon's yeah, Graceland. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting a chance to talk about Lady Blacksmith Mombazo. At last. And, uh, finally that's the only reason i set this podcast up and i've had to wait <laughs> nearly fucking three years to do it unbelievable so yeah that's any amount of money you can go and get our rioters reviews uh also if you want to get that and get the very very finest podcasts that we do then uh, why not sign up for our five pounds here for our classic albums you get two classic albums a month you got your first one coming this monday it is on the self it's not self-titled, is it? It's the untitled Seager yeah. Rose awesome. album. Yeah. I'm still a little bit scared of doing this one, to be honest, Winfrey. Okay. I feel like I might just be going, oh, yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is going to be a really um, interesting one. I've delved into areas that we have not delved into before, and there's a lot of like history of... Uh, uh, of the art movements that inspired the record and so on and so forth. So that's, I think it's going to be a really interesting. That's good to know. I'm looking forward to it. And the more I listen to this record, and I feel like since we've decided to do it, I've listened to it more and more and more and more and more. And I'm starting, I feel like Sigur Ross are a very, very difficult band to, uh, we sort of, I don't want to spoil it too much, but we we have a lot of bands where you kind of put this on and you go, this just feels nice when it's on. Mm. And then when it's over, you just kind of snap out of it. And I feel like they do send me into a kind of trance-like, dream-like state where everything just kind of washes over me and then it ends and then I'm gone and I can't really recall. So in terms of actually getting some meat on how I feel about it, it's proving to be an incredibly difficult thing for me to do. But then I guess exploring that will be the interesting one of the more interesting parts of this particular special that we have coming up i think another way to put what you've just said is their music is very transportative mm. so, yeah. yeah 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 that's good uh also right now let's talk about we just sort of teased it a little bit let's get into it broken records is coming back now broken records is the segment that we did on the show we started doing it about a year ago where we searched for the worst album ever made uh, we've done about 27 albums in the list so far. And then due to the amount of stuff that was coming in when we were reviewing, sometimes eight albums a week, we thought, you know, if we do another half an hour tagged on the end of talking about another record, deciding where it fits in this massive list that we've got of the worst album ever, then that podcast goes from being 
quite a mammoth undertaking to just kind of ludicrous for you guys to listen to every week. And I know some of you don't want to listen to it every week. And I know some of you skip to that bit immediately. Mm. So mm. when it was away, I started thinking about it as a format. And I thought, is enough there for that to be a podcast on its own? Right now, some people might go, no, you're going to do another podcast and give us even more stuff. Well, the thing is, we would just tag Broken Records on the end of this show. And this show, rather than being what we're doing, six albums this week, I'm going to predict this is going to be between kind of two and a half to three hours long of a podcast. Mm -hmm. It would then be three and a half hours, Mm -hmm. three hours, 45, whatever, Mm -hmm. with Broken Records on the end. So we've decided that rather than do that, we're just going to stop recording and we're going to record Broken Records as an entirely separate podcast, which will go out on an entirely separate podcast platform and thing and be its own little thing um which doesn't mean you'll be getting more right act you'll be getting the same amount of actual content Mm. as you would have been it's just you can choose whether you want to listen to broken records first or you'd rather just listen to the reviews or whichever one of those two things you you prefer so it's really just it's not so much about giving you actually more content it's about breaking that content up into more manageable parts another way another way to look at it is we'll be releasing broken records as its own separate entity but sort of uh it will be part of the right act network i suppose yeah one way to put it yeah 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 yeah. so rather than you just getting this show on a friday with broken records on the end and you're going i've got to look at the time code to see where broken records is i'm not interested in hearing them talk about another one of renfrey's boring 57 minute long instrumental ambient post icelandic post rock Uh, albums excuse me (laughs) (laughs) you can listen to 70 minutes (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly uh you can you can listen to it all on its own so we're going to be doing that and launching that probably by taking all of the broken records that we already have and just putting them up splosh straight away as their own separate podcasts in about a month's time probably because we've got to go through them all and pick them out but then we also will be adding to that list on twitter i asked uh, i put a tweet out going what other albums would you like to suggest because at at first we picked 50 and we were just going to do it as a little segment but we've enjoyed it so much i really love doing broken records i think it's fucking i think it's great as much as i despise listening to a lot of the records that we've done i think actually finding you know i said to you before there are a few records in there that i actually quite like lulu for example self-portrait by bob dylan we were very you know it was a good chance to listen to metal machine music by lou reed and kind of go you know what is this and the shit is like sometimes it's really interesting sometimes it is just out and out bad but sometimes it can be really interesting. So I thought it was good to have that on its own as its own separate little thing. And you suggested a lot more albums. So we now have a list that I think goes up to about 150 records. So you're going to get quite a lot of uh, extra content. I think we've said this a few times, but it's been a really fascinating um, way to discover like what actually is a bad record and what, what makes music bad actually bad and what makes music actually good and i think mm. by doing this it kind of makes you appreciate the good stuff more um it does so. and when you hear people going oh man uh, aren't, aren't pink floyd terrible or aren't mm. fucking led zeppelin terrible or yeah. isn't this that or the other terrible and you go no no <laughs> you, you haven't got a clue what they is i mean yeah. it, it's a really good if you want to listen to the best music you kind of have to understand what the very worst music is as well and yeah i've really enjoyed doing it so that is definitely going to be coming back and it'll be just a little added extra bonus thing that we'll get for free if you're interested no pressure <laughs> <laughs>
as ever. Uh, but yeah, Broken Records is definitely coming back. We're working on that now. Hopefully by the end of the month, it will be up and all of those um, old ones for you to delve back into will be available for you to listen to in your own time. And then we'll start um, doing new ones immediately, pretty much. Yes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much immediately. And we do have a big old list of, uh, of new ones as well. Some really, really good suggestions. I mean, I looked up a few. Somebody suggested the Macho Man Randy Savage album and I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> but on it go on the list it goes. Um... Anyway, there you go. Uh, that's all the sort of hard sell. Only only 14 minutes of hard sell. Fucking hell. Uh, let's move on to some news. Um, all right. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the big news here. Marilyn Manson has been dropped by his record label after long-time rumours of sexual assault by him towards his ex, Evan Rachel, Evan Rachel Wood, um, were kind of confirmed that she was speaking about him via her Instagram this week. Um, obviously Rachel Evan Wood has spoken about a powerful man that she previously had a relationship with and talked about some pretty heinous things that said man was supposed to be was had, had kind of put her through in in her life and um, you know the internet rumor mill put that at the feet of Marilyn Manson obviously without her being able to say that we're not quite sure why she wasn't able to say i would imagine marilyn manson has very very um powerful lawyers in fact (laughs) i do kind of know that for a fact yeah yeah. Yeah, from the reaction to when that rumor was brought up uh recently in the the end of last year um she's now come forward and kind of confirmed that she was referring to marilyn manson hence him being dropped by his record label many other women have come forward in the aftermath of that I'm not going to go into the specifics of it because they're pretty fucking horrific. Um, But needless to say, Marilyn Manson is in big trouble at this point. I mean, there's a congressman saying that the FBI should be investigating it. Apparently police were at his house yesterday, as we record. Um, Lots of fellow musicians from Trent Reznor to Wes Borland have come out and spoken about his behavior previously they've distanced themselves from him yeah i think um we should oh sorry we should point out that marilyn manson has denied the allegations marilyn manson has denied the allegations but um i'm kind of not surprised obviously but then I guess it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I'm kind of not surprised, but also surprised as well. I mean, on one hand, oh, that guy that used to cut his chest and smoke human bones is a weird fucking freak who treats people appallingly. I am shocked. Obviously, I'm I'm not that shocked to hear that Marilyn Manson is a very strange individual. But I'm, I am kind of shocked that somebody who had positioned themselves as this kind of voice for the voiceless and for the underdogs and the misfits could be such a fucking heinous person. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, and then some of the things that have come up have been gen- like genuinely breathtakingly shocking. I, I'm not seeing an awful lot of rhetoric about why these sorts of things happen. And I think it's basically quite simply down to, um, abuse begets abuse um now that is not excusing uh manson's actions in any way shape or form but i think 
in order to stamp out this kind of uh, behavior, you need to look into the the reasons why it occurs in the first place. But that's a much harder thing to do mm. than to just sort of um, rant and rally online and say this person needs to be locked away and so on and so forth. Um, there is uh, undoubtedly there are things that you, you know undoubtedly if these allegations turn out to be true and there's an, an awful lot to indicate that they may well be um then uh due processes need to happen but then having said that the difficulty with that is the uh the statistics are shockingly low in terms of people who are actually convicted so i think that's why people feel this need to uh take it upon themselves and i think this is the reason why this buzzword of sort of council culture has sort of um started up and i understand it i mean we've talked about that sort of thing in the past and said we're not sure that that's the way to go about things either but i do understand why people are furious that these things keep happening well i mean that as as just to jump on that point really really quickly i think i've said it before i i think it is just an absolute failure of society at large that people feel like they have to go onto Twitter and put these things on there, or they have to go on the internet or their Instagram, and they have to do that. That, that to have that lack of faith in our justice system, that it has come to the point where people are having to do that, is I think is an absolute is a sham of our society. It's a disgrace that it has had to come to. There's no way. I think it's, it's a failing terrible. Of, I think it's a failing of the justice system. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 I don't have them in front of me, but the statistics for convictions for rape and so on and so forth are disgusting. It's it's an insanely depressing statistic. The, the well, it, lack of convictions for these sorts of things, and and it's things like that. I think people just something written down on a bit of paper or something kind of talk. Like I've seen a lot of people going, "Oh, well, why didn't she leave him? If it was that bad, why didn't she leave him?" And I can tell you, right, I don't want to get. Do I want to get two pers? No, fuck it. It's fine. Um, I, I was in a relationship with a girl about a decade ago who used to like, if, if we had a sort of verbal argument and I went, I don't want to have this argument. And I remember there's been, there were a lot of times where I just go, I would roll over and go, I really don't want to have this conversation. Let's just go to sleep and forget about it. And she would like smack me in the head, punch me in the back of the head. And that happened over the course of four years endless amount of times right loads and lo and i never hit her and i got to the like i would be sometimes seethingly angry but i was brought up obviously not to lay a finger on women i just wouldn't ever do that but she was physically fucking awful to me for like years and years and years and years right and when i look back now i go oh you fucking idiot why didn't you just like why did you let someone do that but she broke up with me and when she broke up with me for about a month afterwards i tried to get back with her and all kinds of things like yeah. it's it's not as simple as like oh it was bad so why didn't you just leave like you don't understand like you just you on paper on paper someone could go to me you're an idiot you should have left her and now i go yeah you're right well that at the time that, that attitude shows a massive lack of empathy and understanding of, of how these things actually work doesn't it mm. um and but, but I, then but but on but, but in a in a court of law <laughs> that written down in a bit of paper where people going, oh yeah. That, mm. I mean, you know, like if you get 
people who don't have any empathy or don't understand that or if you get uh if there is a way to kind of a, a defense lawyer to manipulate people into going yeah why didn't they just leave if it was that bad then yeah. that's how people kind of get away with this stuff and there are a similar rhetoric i've seen people uh on twitter say you know what like this was 11 years ago why didn't she come out then and that that's a similar thing you know it's not it really isn't as simple as that and especially when it's such a public figure in order mm. to have the bravery to come out about these sorts of things um there's so many other aspects that i mean just that attitude in, in and of itself well why didn't you say this 11 years ago you you have to face lots of criticism like that uh, and that's part of the reason why um that kind of attitude is making things worse and making people feel like that they can't say these things because they'll just be blasted for it um yeah I mean, I also want to, I mean, another thing on the kind of, on a, I guess on a slight flip of that is I have seen people going, oh, Kerrang, Revolver, Metal Hammer, you know, why, why do you, you knew about this, why were you covering him? Well, the, I mean, the thing is what you really have to understand is that the lawyers of someone like Marilyn Manson, you, I mean, if, or, you know, why didn't you print this before, like when the rumours came out, it's like, you, you, they could shut down an entire like Marilyn Manson could have could have Metal Hammer magazine shut down and have 20, 30, 40 people lose their job if they printed the wrong thing. They have lawyers who would go through every little thing. So I think this kind of like, I've almost, I've seen quite a lot of people going like, oh, you know, the music industry has let this happen. No, Marilyn Manson has taken out, you know, you, you hear about super injunctions for people in the sun or we were going to print this, but then this super injunction came in. You, you know, that, they're not able, even if they knew about it, I mean, they would not be able legally to do that. And you would be kind of risking <coughs> your entire industry, you know, your entire workplace being shut down well, if you were to do that. Apart from the self-preservation stuff, which you've just pointed out, it, it's also massively irresponsible for um, for outlets of, of, for public outlets to... Uh, to report these things based on rumors like it's just mm. it's just insanely irresponsible to do that there's been there's been a lot of uh comments about like we should have known all of this i mean certainly his autobiography the long road oh the long long hard road, 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 road out of hell, hell. Uh, you know it has some shocking things in that memoir that he's and that and those are the things that he's admitted to doing you know um, and back when that was published in 1998, I think, mm -hmm. 98 or 99. Um, I don't want to say that we were going through a culture where that sort of thing was seen as cool, but it certainly wasn't... Um, it, it wasn't uh, discussed and um, obliterated in the way that it is today. And I don't think, you know, it, I think it would be really silly to say that that's a bad thing. Um, that these things are discussed more openly and these taboos have been sort of eradicated. Um, but, you know, we've talked about how we feel about sort of trial by social media and all this kind of thing as well, a lot in the past. Um, so, yeah, far too, far too much, really. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at that book, you do go, well, I can't really be surprised. 
can't really be surprised that somebody who would do that would do and and you know and but you're right like at the time that it, it was shocking i remember reading that and being like oh my god you know backstage enemas and there are other things that from that a period but at the same time you can't read a book like that and then go well this is evidence that these other allegations are true you know i i feel like maybe someone like brian warner has grown up not not knowing what the boundaries are for certain things probably because of things that happened to him and again i when i say that i'm not saying that excuses it um but i think the the wider problem that we really should be looking at if we're to combat this is to figure out why these things happen as opposed to just sort of pointing fingers and saying you know this person must be locked up for uh, uh, x amount of years or whatever some sort of justice should be served and whether the justice system will do that or not you know i mean statistically it would probably indicate that it wouldn't which and i can understand why that would infuriate people it infuriates me um but in order to kind of eradicate these problems you have to look at the root causes of them and that's a far more complicated and difficult thing to do than just um say you know lock him away and throw away the key yeah you're right i mean i see a lot of there's a lot of like clean up metal get rid of these people who we shouldn't be in metal and i think well why <laughs> To, to where <laughs> like yeah. where they go? they're just gonna go somewhere else like you just like anyone who anyone who doesn't like the same music as me well fuck them they then yeah, that's yeah, that, yeah. that's fine they they go and be a fascist over there it's like uh, that doesn't, that that doesn't all right? that's all right is it that's that you're, you're okay with that clean up metal yeah that's fine it but not society at large all right cool it doesn't eradicate anyone you know donald trump's ban on twitter he hasn't gone away no no exactly um yeah but i mean that's that's a, a difficult thing to know where where or how to even start with that because if this stuff is true i do you know i we did a classic album on marilyn manson and i've was you know which was my pick and i was even i was you know really like the last album and i like a hell of a lot of marilyn manson's music in fact i love a hell of a lot of marilyn manson's music but i want him to go to jail yeah yeah, yeah. I absolutely want him to go to jail. <sighs> anyway, good. Um, I'll tell you, this is in trouble, Renfrey. This is just as bad. Taylor Swift, <laughs> she's gone and done something. Just well, the thing is, on on <laughs> in, on the online world, that this is both these things. There is you're either bad or you're good, and, and this is bad. <laughs> so Taylor Swift, exactly the same as Marilyn Manson. Uh, Taylor Swift's being sued by a US theme park called Evermore which says the star's latest album has infringed its trademark by using the same name. I don't know. I don't know how you've got the balls to do this. To even say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We own the word evermore. Uh, they, they said uh, that the release of the album has caused confusion about whether the two are linked. And I would say that's a good thing, right? I would say if more people go, oh, I want to go to the Taylor Swift theme park. When all this opens up again, <laughs> yeah. then that's good, right? That's well, a good thing. It also, looking at this cynically, uh, also, put, I mean, I hadn't heard of this uh, Utah-based theme park evermore before all this. But you want to go now, don't you? But I've heard of it now, and now I know it exists. So, um, you know, this lawsuit isn't going to go anywhere. But by saying, oh, we're, we're suing one of the biggest pop stars in the world, it's amazing publicity. 
and it won't it won't it won't get to that it can't it's such a stupid no. lawsuit but it's great publicity so you know they're seeking millions of dollars in damages because the trademark of the name belongs to them i don't think it does guys no, no. i don't think it does and it's she's like she she violated that when she started selling album related merchandise so it's not even so much the album it's the merchandise around the album so if you buy like a you know a taylor swift evermore mug or a hat or something People might go, oh, you like that theme park? And the person goes, I don't know what you're talking about. That is damaging their brand, by all accounts. Mm, mm. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm. I mean, the nerve. They sue fucking everyone in America, don't they? They love it. Oh, they love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love us, love suing people for mm. anything. Mm, mm, yeah. I uh, I would sue... Uh, I don't even know where I'm going with that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would sue. <laughs> I would sue... Yes, they love suing. People. I would. I'm going to sue. You should sue Screech from Saved by the Bell, who is a dead man, for being a dead man when you're a dead man. I might do that actually. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. Uh, the estate well. and and old um, uh, Sir Captain Uncle Tom as well. Oh. He's a dead man now, isn't he? Bless I, him. I had a feeling that you'd bring this up, and you've been really cruel to Sir Tom. No, uh, I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> How have I been cruel to Sir Uncle? I I, I've, I think. The media are hysterical mm. over, like, uh, uh, you know, kind of. He's, Captain Sir Tom is a lovely, kindly old man, right? Who raised, done an who raised amazing, a lot of money. Raised a lot of money. He's a, like a ten million. Seems like a lovely, beautiful mm. human being. Mm. But the fact that they're going on like Piers Morgan is like, but can't get out of fucking beds because of it. <laughs> Did he say that? No, he didn't. But I mean, he <laughs> might as well have done. And it's like, come on, yeah, yeah. come on. Like he's a night. Like it's just, uh, it's just this fucking country. Still, we should Fuck all clap. Take. We should all clap for uh, Sir Tom. But he did last night. They did last night, didn't they? Boris Johnson's out there clapping away for <laughs> Sir Tom. It's like he's a, there's, someone's finally died of the coronavirus. <laughs> the fucking hundred thousand people are dead, and. A hundred-year-old man dies, and it's like, oh god, someone's—it's the worst thing. It's like, it, like again, that sounds really—that sounds really cruel on my part. I don't mean it to sound really cruel. He—I'm—it's really sad for his family, and he did an amazing thing, and he was—but he lived to a to hundred. Yeah, he had the, a great and all the great life, all long the clapping, life. All the clapping bollocks is just a distraction, isn't it? From of course, the it is. fact that he—you know—they should have done something about all of this. Uh, about a year ago, where, but you know, and they didn't, and people have died as a result. Do you know what? I put that Taylor Swift thing in there, so I was like, we won't do anything too heavy going from <laughs> Manson into the Foo Fighters, and now we've just done it anyway, so I might as well not bother talking about Taylor Swift. God. Uh, anyway, rest in peace, Captain Sir Tom, and, and Screech as well. Screech is yeah. dead as well. Oh, rest in peace, Screech, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Dustin, Foo Dustin Fighters. Diamond. Dustin, Dustin Diamond. Diamond yeah. yeah. Mm. Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> Medicine at Midnight is the 10th studio album from the alternative rock megastars, the Foo Fighters, the follow up to 2017's Concrete and Gold. Um, oh, Renfrey. We were super positive about the Foo Fighters on our recent classic album double show that we did, or their first album and the second album, Colour and the Shape. And. I guess maybe that gave me a little bit of excitement that really shouldn't have been there for that first album because, you know, let's be real about it. They haven't made a good album for at least a decade. If you're being super, super duper kind, Wasting Light is the the last 
good Foo Fighters album. I don't yeah, think anyone... front front to back, I think that's fair. I was mm. going to ask you um, uh, just your thoughts on Concrete and Gold, just on the last one, just uh, so that we can be up to speed with uh, well, where we like, are. Like, like every Foo Fighters album, it's got um, The Sky's a Neighbourhood, which is a good single, and it's got some other things on it, which I can't remember <laughs> and do not care about, to be perfectly honest. I'm, I'm a little bit kinder to it. I think the first half of Concrete and Gold is... is excellent like pro- properly brilliant and then it has a very flabby dull second half and so overall i think the album's quite good but i have to say if the second half was of the quality of the first half of that record i would have been i would have been saying this is another great foo fighters record so it was kind of annoying because it's like they have they st- obviously are still capable of writing brilliant songs. That, yeah, that the skies of land, skies of land, skies neighborhood. neighborhood song is fucking brilliant. That is one of the best songs they've ever written. I think I I saw them playing that live at the Brits. Nice, and they were definitely the best thing. Oh no, they weren't actually because no, Kendrick Lamar played that year and he was fucking well good. Um, but yeah, I saw them at the Brits in 2018 doing that, and I was like, hmm, no one really cared. They were there for Dua Lipa or whatever, weren't they? Uh, but yeah, it was good. Um, good song. I don't really remember anything else about it. It's a bit more kind of classic Rocky from what I remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, fair? I think they've been going in that direction for quite a long time. That mm. sort of classic rock direction. Um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, sometimes, I think something that crept in on the Sonic Highways record, their eighth album, um, was this sort of slightly dad rock esque vibe, um, where you know all of the kind of no, I mean, it, I don't want to sound like a basic bitch in the in the form of in saying like, oh, the distortion has to be high in order for a song to be good or whatever. But there was an awful lot of material on Sonic Highways where it just felt like if everything was just ramped up a bit, if everything was just charged up a bit, this would be a much more interesting album. And I feel... Well, there was that song that sounded a bit like Holy Diver, but Holy Diver sort of played by a school band on acoustic guitars. Yeah. 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 And I feel like, I I think listening to Medicine at Midnight, it conjured up many reminders of Sonic Highways for me. Um, Mm. In that there are... I personally, I'm not sure if you're going to agree with this because little peek behind the curtain. This is an album that earlier this week, when we were discussing it over the, over the phone, you described as hell on earth, which I do, <laughs> which I do think is a little OTT to say the, to say the least. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I've just put you in the doghouse there no, no, with, no. with Mr. Grohl, but you did actually say that, which I thought was so over the top. But it certainly um, feels. Um, it doesn't have much excitement or fire in it, which I think was a large part of my problem with Sonic Highways. Mm. And it, you know, it feels like the distortion is tempered a little bit, like turned down a little bit, and everything just feels a little bit shinier. No, I mean, you know, we are talking about the Foo Fighters here. It's not like we're talking about Cannibal Corpse or anything like that. But going back, we, we will be in a couple of months. Soon, so, yeah. so yeah. Oh, that artwork! I had to pose for that artwork for fucking ages. Jesus Christ! Um, but that, um, but that sense of it being very kind of sluggish and slow just makes it not very kind of exciting. And Which is weird because 
I mean, this album, just so you know, it's a little kind of before we properly get into it, a bit of background regarding it. Uh, my, our good friend, uh, Merlin Alderslave of Metal Hammer magazine, um, he heard this album about a year ago at a listening party. So pre-lockdown. So it's been ready for a long time, this All record. Right. Uh, and he said he couldn't remember anything about it when I mentioned to him that we were reviewing it this week. And I'm not particularly surprised that a year on from hearing it, there's nothing that really stuck with him. Um, the surprise. band have said that they wanted to counteract the times by making a feel-good album and have even name-checked David Bowie's Let's Dance as an inspiration for this record. That's not a right so review. It is, yeah. So I feel like this should be more for us to be cheered up about. But Right? Like this should be a kind of upbeat cheery fun boisterous record yeah and and it's not i think that's the the thing with it is is it's like yeah they're the foo fighters they're not going to release a fucking grindcore album we know this right and the bigger they get and the more of a kind of stadium sized band they get and the more they kind of you know kind of if we're not even edging towards middle age they are fully full-blown middle-aged yeah. people at this point I don't think you can expect them to make, you know, really kind of fast cutting edge alternative rock music, which would have sounded as exciting today as it did in 1997 or whatever. But it's stuff like, I mean, yeah, it, it just everything. If you're trying to make a kind of fun, upbeat record, I mean, the first song, Make a Fire, I think sounds like if Tom Petty was covering Maroon 5. <laughs> it's not a bad show yeah it's got loads of like na 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 backing vocals but nothing really grabs me it does sound like it's sort of trying to be Foo Fighters by but but it kind of ends up being Foo Fighters by numbers but yet a kind of with some gospel singers yeah like an old man pop song trying to be like a very very like very mainstream sounding pop band like Maroon 5 are uh, the go like I, I cannot get the thought of Maroon Five out of my head when I hear that song. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think Maroon Five is uh, uh, not a bad comparison, if if a tad harsh. I mean, I'd much rather listen to this than anything that Maroon Five have done. Um, See, but I, I do wouldn't. Want I really? actually wouldn't. Yeah, but I, I do... actually think Maroon Five would chuck that song in the bin. Ooh, wow. Okay, I, I it's. The whole sort of those backing vocals that make their presence known throughout that song are it feels like it's it's been put on there to make it all like cheery and you know like happy and na 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 all that kind of stuff um and it just feels a bit superficial you know because the 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 band underneath don't sound fired up and in order to achieve a album that's going to lift people up you have to sound fired up and they just they just don't they sound a bit sluggish and a bit like Meh, you know yeah and again you know shame shame which starts with a, a kind of a, again with a like drum pattern again which is not i just don't think it is as funky as it needs to be or as i think that they would like it to be and it's quite quiet verses and the sort of plucked orchestral strings and all that it's like oh, it's not a bad like let's hope it gets going and then when the chorus comes in it's just quite an unmotivating chorus. So Shame Shame's an interesting one because for me, it's one, it's it's an interesting experiment. I think it had a, a sort of a vaguely R&B styling to it. It didn't sound a million miles away from the sort of thing that like Justin Timberlake might do. Um, and that's not meant as a criticism. No, no. I mean, um, will, if Justin Timberlake hears this, he will be 
very upset. Probably be very upset. <laughs> no, but do do you see what I mean? In that it has that kind of um, almost like that. I like I love you kind of. Um, Bounce, yeah, but I guess. Yeah, but oh, I mean, not, I, I, I'm not I saying can, it's I, as good. I'm not saying no, no, it's no. As good. I'm just I saying. can understand. I can understand what you're saying, mm. but I think it. I mean, there is a an ocean in mm. terms of mm. like how those two songs make you feel. But the thing, the thing about Shame Shame, which is interesting, is it was the debut single from the album, and I think, I mean, I think you would prescribe to this rhetoric more than I would, but you've sort of said in the past that Foo Fighters are a phenomenal single band and like usually you can rely on them to release at least one good song um you know whether it be All My Life from uh, uh One by One or The Pretender from Echo Silence Patience and Grace I actually love that record but you know I accept that most people just view The Pretender as a great song and don't dismiss the rest um and with Shame Shame being the debut single on this record, I expected it to be more uh, anthemic and it doesn't sound like the sort of thing which is going to be sung back en masse in stadiums in the way that The Pretender was or Learn to Fly was or All My Life was or Best of You or Monkey Wrench, which are all, you know, the, the debut mm. singles from those respective records. And... I think it's cool that they're trying something different. And I will say, whilst I agree with you that the song never feels like it gets going, I do I do love the chorus to that song. When that cello part comes in, it really like it is it sounds really sump sumptuous and I'm very I'm a sucker for it. I think um the 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 melody that Dave Grohl sings is is really good. But I don't think it's strong in a stadium rock sense, which, of course, is the where we find Foo Fighters today. I can't and I struggle to hear many of the songs on this record really working in well, in a live context. That's what I find so weird about the idea of doing this kind of super positive, upbeat pop, you know, mentioning shit like Let's Dance by David Bowie and then giving you such a slight this feels like a slight record to me yeah, it doesn't feel like a, a full throttle you know again for the Foo Fighters and the Foo Fighters get going and there is the odd glimpse there's the odd bit where the sun pokes through the clouds yeah, yeah. on this and you go oh yeah there they are and I mean there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good moments on this record rather than good songs aren't there mm. yeah, yeah. and I think Cloud Spotter starts with and at least it starts with a riff and it's got that disco beat like they said they wanted but again, but it's so slight that it just doesn't roar out at you. It's kind of, I mean, I, I likened it a bit to the kind of the robot rock style of the first Queens of the Stone Age album, mm -hmm. which was recorded on a minuscule budget and was is kind of them at their most lo-fi sounding. And that's fine for them. And I think they, they wrote some great songs with it. But the Foo Fighters, it just doesn't really get going until the chorus. And then you go, oh yeah, that does sound like the Foo Fighters. Now, it's nothing like their best work whatsoever. But I was like, it, it, it's kind of catchy, but so much of it is like, I don't know where the rest of the band are. They've got three guitarists, this band. You know, they've always six, made a point of being... Six members, three guitarists. Yeah, they, yeah. and they've always made a, a point of, you know, Dave Grohl has always made a point of going... We are, we need to be a big sounding, huge, big guitar band. Even when they're, even something like Everlong, which is ostensibly kind of a ballad yeah. of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it still sounds big and it just, it doesn't, it doesn't start big 
Um, and it doesn't kind of, you know, that song doesn't start big. And then when it goes quite big, it's kind of like, well, you, it's too late now. Mm. Like it's, it's mm. kind of too late for me to really, because you keep going back into it and it's like, I don't really get like this big bombastic pop record. Where is it? Where is it? It's not, you're not doing the thing that you, you're not even doing the thing that you set out to do, which mm. I, I found very, very frustrating. Well, I, I do see the ingredients there you know stuff like the backing singers on making a making a fire they actually come back on oh shit what song is it they come back on a song later on and i think it's it's far more convincing when they do come back um but you can see all the ingredients there but like i say there just isn't that fire behind the songs to make it um to make us feel elegiac about these songs yeah you know i, t I tell you when it's, it really shows waiting on the war which they absolutely redo that. I felt like this on my way home. Mm. They they just basically do that again, mm. right? They do. Um, what's it called? That song? La I don't want to say uh, last train new, home. That's new, not way, them. new way. New home. way home. New way home. Um, they do that again, but and it kind of tries to take you to that place, but it never it never hits those highs. It yeah. never ever hits like that level of kind of euphoric big stadium rock thing and i just can't imagine a world where the foo fighters are putting their set list together and they go oh, we should probably play waiting on a war and somebody doesn't just go why don't we just play new way home i mean it's basically <laughs> the, a better, like the same <clears throat> song but just loads loads better and it then, does it does uh, feel like an album full of songs which obviously they'll play songs from this album you know when they can uh uh for the tour for this record but it does feel like that all of these songs will be discarded once the next record comes along. Yeah. And uh, then the title track. Yes. The title track is the one that I was referring to, which had the um, additional uh, backing singers. I, th I think, I think they're more successful on, on that song, but it's still, it still feels a bit ploddy, doesn't it? It's them doing, I, they, them, the strokes and Pearl Jam have all gone for that kind of new wave thing over mm. the last year or so. And I think this is the worst example of the of those three bands doing that. I mean, the dance of the clairvoyance. So everyone was like, "What a weird thing for Pearl Jam to do." I think it's a far better version of that thing than this mm. is. Yeah. Um, you can really, really hear Dave Grohl trying to do David Bowie on that song. I mm. think, and it's just got a really dull chorus. Mm. It's just got a really, really dull chorus. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know, there's just so many times where I go, like, no son of mine comes after that. And I'm like, oh, good. It's got an actual metal, kind of a metal riff mm. to open it. And it should be the part where you go, hooray, we're going to get a heavy, we're going to get a white limo or something like that. But it's actually, I think it's probably the worst song on the album. It's a real slog. It's just that, not very good, is it? Yeah, I don't know. I it's don't know a big about clunking mess. I think I, I don't know about worst song on the album just because I think it ends really poorly. This album, <laughs> really With, poorly. Uh, Barracuda uh, by Heart. <laughs> song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, like Love Dies Young is is such an irritating rework of Walk from Wasting Light, in my opinion. It just you know, and it, it sounds like someone trying to do an impression of the Foo Fighters, but not really getting it right. That's yeah, 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 yeah. With the riff from Barracuda by Heart. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And you've got Holding Poison as well, which is kind of unholy mix of status quo and the Killers. Oh. Well, I I thought that sounded like OK Go or Fountains of Wayne or Harvey Danger or something like that. Um, 
I that's probably my favourite song on the album. Oh really? I, I, it, I think it wouldn't have got on the colour and the shape because I don't think it's good enough. But at least it sounds like it could have come from those sessions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Fine. Uh, and chasing birds is quite a dull way to follow it up as just well. Insipid and boring. You know. Uh, no, a, a song which leaves no strong impression whatsoever. I think. Um, it feels like that's this it. album is a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a halfway house between the second disc of um, In Your Honour, which I actually really like because it's the Foo Fighters doing something very, very different and Sonic Highways, which is not really, I, I, I would much rather they go in an extreme direction one way or the other. I'd much rather hear like the second disc of In Your Honour, which is totally, totally, totally different. If you're going to go for a thing, then really, really go for it. But because it sort of sits in between the two, it doesn't feel like it does one thing or the other, really. Yeah, I think it's a weird one, but they've, you know, they've deliberately gone out of their way to say, we are going to release a record that is a high octane, sparklingly produced, big pop record that makes you feel good. A big pop rock record that makes you feel good. And I mean, I, you know, I, when I first heard this, I re- I've had a bit of a weird one with this because when I first heard it, I really didn't like it. I thought, I mean, I wasn't really shocked, but I was disappointed because it was so great listening to their first two albums a while back and actually going, oh, yeah, they were a good band. And then this sort of shook me back into the real world of the current world. And I was like, oh, yeah. But, and, you know, when I mentioned it, I just, I couldn't believe they had done an album, which is just really, so, it just felt so devoid of, any kind of urgency or pace or passion or do you know what I mean? I found it really depressing that uh, they didn't seem capable of, I mean, when you mention shit like Bowie, Maroon 5, uh, Justin Timberlake, you might not like all of those artists, right? But you can't deny that they at least, there's even Maroon 5, right? Who are not a good band, right? <laughs> I I'm raising like, my eyebrows here. Oh, I yeah, don't okay. like, but, even Maroon 5, right? It at least sounds like they've put loads of stuff in. Like, chuck everything, throw the kitchen sink in there, make it sound big, make it sound huge, make it, like, totally designed for, you know, people to sing at a massive festival crowd. Like, you know, make it super poppy, super instantaneous, super energetic. At least they do that. And there's not really anything on that. And... I, to, to, to give them some credit, it do, I, it does feel like they've thrown a lot of different elements at these songs. They just, for some reason they just don't they just don't uh, like. There's a lot going on in a song like uh, making a uh, making a fire. Um, it's just they just don't hit you with much sort of. They they just feel very. There, there's a lot there's a lot going on, but there's not a lot of the lot going on. Is what I would say. <laughs> there might be a lot going on, but there's not enough of that lot going on there's not a lot of guitars in that song there's not there might be backing vocals but they don't do a lot mm. there might be like drums but drums aren't loud don't hit the crash of the sim you don't hear yeah. like the pat like you know when yeah when you think of like the guitar part in like i love you by justin timberlake how dang dig dang how mm. strong that how mm. like crisp that is this doesn't sound like that it's like yeah it's sort of like goes. it's like a wet fart mm. like and and i mean i kept listening to this album after after i'd spoken to you obviously and i started to find things to enjoy about it yeah 
I was but, like, yeah. and I was like, you know, it's catchy and that can't be denied. Yeah. And I think there's certainly, like I've just said, there is, there is a place for just very simple, happy, sensible, safe, quite middle of the road rock songs. Mm. Right. There mm. is a place for that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I just don't think these are good versions of that thing. I got to a place where I had kind of gone, oh, fair enough. You know, actually like it's not as good as I used to be, but maybe it's not as bad as I first imagined it was. And I carried on listening to it. And now I literally hate it again <laughs> because I was like, I, I, at first I was like, oh no. And then I was like, oh, those songs have kind of got in my head and now they've just dissipated. And I'm, you know, the kind of the initial like, oh yeah, I, I kind of know where this one goes has just dissolved into nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, you're just annoying. It's just annoys me now. I certainly don't think it particularly stays with you, this record, which I think is a big, pro- probably the biggest problem with it um and like when it is on there as i said there are really good moments on this album i don't think there's any really strong songs and if i was um making a compilation of my favorite food fighter songs i don't think any of them would i don't think any of these songs would be on it not one no which is quite damning um but yeah it just feels like a halfway house between between two um stools and it 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 doesn't really do one thing or the other you can and you can kind of see what they're like when they do making a fire live i'm sure that they'll extend that whole na 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 bit and get everyone to sing it and that's going to be cloying and annoying um you know and i just uh, it, it all feels just very safe and ploddy and you know very slight as you already said it, it it just it's just very very slight when i saw that this album was going to be just shy of 37 minutes long i thought oh great nine songs and they're just going to kick your ass and then they'll get out but that isn't what we've got at all we've just got a quite a, a short it's you know mercifully short i don't get bored listening to this album but i don't get particularly excited listening to it either no, I, I'm the same. I mean, I, yeah, I, it's just not very good. It's just, I, I remember talking to somebody once and we were talking about stand-up comedians and um, they were saying that when you get to the size of, I mean, I think I've probably said this on here before, but when you get to the size of someone like Michael McIntyre, like I saw Michael McIntyre in a pub and I've seen Russell Howard in a pub and before they were like super famous and they were both absolutely fucking amazing but then and that's why when i you know i said to someone the other day like most music that get like picking up from that motif of broken records most music that gets big is has got something good about it at least initially you yeah. I, I think my, not all before you start going tweeting me and fucking ed sheeran or whatever um not all but most music that gets really super popular has something initially that makes people go, mm, yeah, that's that's actually that's really good. And it's deservedly, quality, yeah. yeah, has some sort of deserved de- redeeming qualities. But as you get to a point this late into your career with the Foo Fighters, I just think like, you, what have you got to say? I guess you've not really got anything to prove. You've not got anything to say. You've not really got your, you know, you've got a strong... Um, you know what the Foo Fighters sound like for the most part, but you probably don't want to just keep repeating yourself. But then you don't really know what it is that you should be doing differently because you don't want to change too much. Mm. 
but you should probably change a bit just to or like to say in interviews that oh we've mixed it up and it's heavier but more melodic or whatever right Which to give them or, some credit they have done i don't and, i don't yeah. think this i don't think this album sounds exactly like any other no. Fighters records i think it sounds like an amalgam of a couple of mm. but there are things ones. where you go like i mean we'll, we'll talk about weezer in a little bit and i think the difference between a band like weezer and the foo fighters is you know the foo fighters should probably know their limitations as a band and i feel like this is a record which kind of touches at the fact that they maybe aren't totally aware of what their limitations as a band are especially this deep into their career whereas i, I would rephrase that in a slightly politer way and just saying they're not playing to their strengths on this record. yeah that's that's probably a better way to put it yeah and you know the, going back to this kind of stand-up thing you do think well by the time you're michael mcintyre and you're playing wembley arena People just want you to come out and so they can clap at you and they want you to pull a funny face. You don't have to think about the craft of writing jokes or the craft of like actual stand-up comedy because all you're doing is like turning up so 10,000 people can watch you skip about. And that's kind of, and it doesn't mean that you were, you are bad or you were, you aren't a good stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. It just means you're no longer like the, you know, should the Foo Fighters be thinking about trying to write? different types of songs at this point in their career or trying to stretch himself like i mean i guess all artists kind of should consider that but at the same time i don't really know that they're in a place where that's necessary and i don't really think they've really got anything left to to prove or say and that's fine that's fine but what it means is we will get probably forever albums like this that's just the fact of the matter you know they're a yeah. they're a, a wembley stadium sized band and they, you know, that sounds lovely, but it, it's probably cre like creatively quite hampering. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I think just to reiterate, I think they, you know, if they are going to try new things, they should go full in on them. And this mm. just feels like halfway between two not very exciting stalls. It does, doesn't it? it really does so anyway um that's the new Foo Fighters album it uh it's out now it's, it's fine cool. <laughs> it's fine it's all right it's called medicine at midnight um don't know you can have a listen you're gonna listen if you're interested in that you're gonna listen to it anyway aren't you so don't fucking matter what we say it's uh let's move on no, let's move on, Renfrey. I'm, I'm <laughs> moving on. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, let's move it's on fine. to Cult of Luna, The Raging River, a brand new EP from the Swedish post-metal legends, hot on the hills of 2019's A Dawn to Fear. I say EP. In actual fact, uh, this has been named as an album on their Wikipedia page. I think that's just wrong, right? Well, I, I, uh, I mean, it, it certainly is an EP, but we should also bear in mind that what well, it's five songs, but Cult of Luna songs tend to be very, very long, and this is no exception. Yeah. Um, and in total, this is 38 minutes and 36 seconds, which makes it the second longest release that we're doing this week. Yeah. <laughs> so it certainly feels like for an album which is quote-unquote an EP, it feels very full, sort of the complete opposite of uh, Foo Fighters in a way. It feels yeah. like there's a lot going on on this album mm. there's a lot of different ideas and a lot of different things happening yeah it's predictably great we both love cult of luna don't we yeah yeah it's 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 predictably fucking fantastic i would say yeah yeah i, I have to say i don't think it does much that i didn't 
already know Cult of Luna could do. I think when we spoke about A Dawn to Fear, we spoke a lot about them bringing in more, I guess, kind of, I don't want to say indie, but I guess more um, Radiohead-esque elements into, kind of softer elements into their sound, which I thought was, was, you know, a really, really cool addition to to their music. Uh, I think the main talking point since this has been announced has been uh, Mark Lanigan appearing on the song Inside of a Dream, which was the song I personally was most excited to hear on this EP. Um, that song is amazing. It's fucking great. And Sublime. it's the centerpiece, essentially, uh, the, the middle of two crushingly heavy pieces of music so it's it's perfectly positioned within the middle of the ep i kind of sounds like they're sort of pausing for breath on on that part and it is it's more lanagan than it is cult of luna to be totally Mm, honest that's the thing i kind of wish they'd combined both his vocals with that raw that johannes pearson does but you know it it does make for a nice little counterpoint to Mm. the the crushing power of the rest of the ep and mark lanagan as ever, does sound absolutely incredible. It's got this yeah. kind of eastern tinge thing which uh, sits just below him. And I guess it's probably quite a good idea not to invite Mark Lanigan onto your EP and then just totally overpower him with big riffs and, you know, slabs of bass and big mm. drum crashes and stuff. So I absolutely understand why they didn't do that. I just thought you've got the opportunity there to go from very, very slight to something massive. And we know that Cult of Luna can do that. And I wondered how Mark Lanigan would sound amongst that, and we don't really get to hear that. But you know, that is a that is a, a minor quibble, to be fair. Yeah, they they've they've said that they've been massive admirers of uh, Mark Lanigan for a long time, to the point where um, they said in two thousand five when we wrote the song and with her came the birds, we had his which was from somewhere along the highway, we had his voice in mind, and the working title was the Lanigan song, but we were not many years over 20 and our lack of self-confidence prevented us from even daring to ask um it certainly uh yeah it certainly feels like a, a lanagan song played by cult of cult of luna um there are cult of luna-esque stuff things in it like um uh there's that lovely organ and a little bit of guitar noodling and those very soft sort of brush stroke drums but on the whole it feels like a song uh sort of um very much written with Lanigan's voice in mind but that that's 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 fine well as excited as I would have been to hear like a true crossover between the two I'm still okay with this because it sounds great and it's perfectly placed in the EP perfect yeah it comes either side of like I say the the first couple of songs so three bridges and what I leave behind being the first two um both are like I say I'm I nothing surprising about either of those songs per se i think um there's a there's an almost science fiction feel to what i leave behind that i really liked i can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is or where it comes from but it felt quite sci-fi and they've done that before obviously with like vertical and 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 i thought it was a nice little nod to that but what's great about cold luna is you can say that but then you can't actually put your finger on the exact sonic part of, of, of you, you don't know why you feel like that yeah you just do i feel like i mean i could say that with a lot of cult of luna material i don't know why we talked about in the adorn to fear review how they somehow managed to sort of make time feel 
uh, go so much faster. You've got these songs which are 11 minutes plus or whatever, but they feel like they're three minutes long because they're just so hypnotic. You know, they have this sense. This album does not, it feels like it ends really, really quickly, even though it is the, the length of many, many records, you know, just shy of 40 minutes. Um, mm. And they've got that down to a T once again. Like they just managed to have this really hypnotic quality, which just brings you into their world and what they're doing. Um, it, it isn't a million miles away from what they were doing on A Dawn to Fear, but to give them credit, they have acknowledged that this EP is very much... Uh, a midpoint it's like a bridge between a dawn to fear and what they're going to do next probably in the same way that you could say vertical two the vertical two ep was mm -hmm. like a bridge between vertical and um then they did a dawn to fear didn't they it was a dawn to a fear Julie did, did oh, Julie God, christmas Mariner, Mariner. of course yeah, yeah yeah um so um from that perspective i think it works really well i'd even go as far as to say maybe possibly in a weird way I might even prefer this to a Dawn to Fear, which sounds like a cracking thing to say because Dawn to Fear was in our albums of both. the year. Yeah, both top 10, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it was number five for both of us, if I recall. Yeah, I think it was. Um, but it's almost because this is kind of like that album, but it, it has the power of that album, but just done in a bite-sized chunk. Uh, it's, it's half the length of it. Um, mm. And I feel like it's almost as powerful i mean the the song wave after wave the last song it's got that militaristic drumming and the organ at the end which that's has this, my favorite song oh it's fucking brilliant it's a really slow funereal kind of march and there's so it's many got... layers of guitar over the top cascading and colliding with each other it's awesome and it's got like uh i mean this is a very odd comparison but it reminded me of a kind of jean-michel jarre style electric pulse mm. that sort of sat in in the background to it again and again like they're so fucking good at giving you these little subliminal um ideas and things that sort of are unquantifiable in the way that a lot of music is like yeah. with the last Foo Fighters album everything you get is there it's on the page oh there are the drums there are the thing but, but with Cult of Luna it's like the overall that the way that the overall feel of their music just kind of conjures stuff up i mean we spoke last week about um gaslit the divide and dissolve record mm. and you're like i knew it was sort of about something but i didn't really know exactly what it was and i think it's a very very difficult thing to to really communicate that especially through you know two instruments obviously there's more instruments on this cult of lunar album but at the same time i still don't really know what anything of it any of it is about but they do drop these kind of they manage to kind of paint these sonic pictures that are quite subliminal from the, almost the, the silences and the stuff that they 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 put very very buried really really deeply into the bottom of their music um and i think that's why they're such a fucking fantastic revered band um you, you end up focusing on all of the elements coalescing together rather than going well, that's a really good drum part or that's yeah. a really good vocal part, you know, which you, which you can't say for the Foo Fighters record. You just, just kind of go, oh yeah, that's quite a good chorus or that's, yeah. oh, I like that cello or whatever. You know? mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Love I Remember that with the kind of washer guitar, very simple beat and the bass, just all three of those things feel like a sort of, like a caramelization of, of sound. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's all one thing. It's very, very good this. I mean, you've said it's better than 
um, A Dawn to Fear. I think it's really great. I'm not sure that if I was going to be talking about an essential part of Cult of Luna's discography, if I would put this forward as an absolutely essential part of their discography. I think there are many other places that I would go to before it. I think the addition of Mark Lanigan and Mark Lanigan's part on this means that it does have something to make it stand out from uh, everything else they've ever done before. But at the same time, would I take this over Mariner? Or would I take this over vertical? Almost certainly not. And I mean, I no. And and I think a dawn to fear. A dawn to there's for me that is interesting. What you said about it being a kind of bite sized version of a dawn to fear. Because for me, a dawn to fear, the beauty of it is being sucked in and kept in that place and then spat out at the end of it. Whereas whereas this, even though like you say, it's thirty eight minutes long. It's plenty long enough and it's plenty involving over its five tracks. But I do think you you get sucked. The, the, the longer you stick with Cult of Luna, the more and more they suck you in. And I do think, I mean, it's an EP. It's an EP, so obviously it couldn't be like an hour long or whatever. But I do think that they're at their best when they really churn you around for as long as they possibly can. And so, yeah. And so this is just... Of again, a very, very, very good, very cool addition to their discography. But I don't think I'd say it would be like if someone said to me, Cult of Luna, where do I start? I, I wouldn't start them here at all. You see, the only reason <clears throat> why I would put a spanner in the works for that is because um, I think giving an album like Vertical to someone or a dawn to fear is a mm. really is a really um daunting prospect both of those albums are you know close to filling an entire compact disc um 70 80 minutes kind of long and actually for that reason i actually think the raging river is a brilliant place to start because it is a uh if if you're unaware of the band because it is a distillation of everything that they do brilliantly or or, or of everything that the cult luna do brilliantly in 2021 um in 40 minutes in in a far more digestible chunk mm. um and and it also might be me saying it's you know as good as a door to fear it might be expectations as well when an ep comes out you do not expect it to ha- to be as powerful as a full length album but i just kept listening to this over and over again and i ab'd it with the dawn to fear as well and i just found it as powerful a statement just over half the length of time um i i think it's a brilliant companion to to adorn to fear and if you have felt uh um like getting into cult of luna is a daunting prospect and let's face it it is because most of their albums are really fucking long um i think for that reason this is actually a really good place to start yeah i think actually now you said it like that you're probably right and you probably this would be like check this out and if you like it then there's other places to go but i guess what i meant is when it comes to like if i was going to do rank every cult of lunar album from worst to best mm, mm. this wouldn't sit this wouldn't sit like in the very high highest echelons of their entire discography is what i mean i it, it, it would be pretty high for me i have to say i think it would be top five but probably like number five or something like that but yeah yeah but i mean for an ep that's pretty good exactly yeah 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 anyway carl are always good always 
And this is good. It's called The Raging River. It's out now. Let's go back to an album that we would have done last week, but we didn't really want to make poor Tom Dare have to listen to Weezer. <laughs> uh, this came out last week. Uh, the album by Weezer is called OK Human. It is their 14th studio album from the other alt-rock legends that we're going to be doing this week. We I, thought we just, were going to be getting... Just to point out there, it, it does say it's their 14th studio album on Wikipedia, but that's including the Teal album. I don't know if you can really include the Teal album. But, oh, yeah. I thought you'd be crawling over yourself to <laughs> include the Teal album, Renfrew. Well, I mean, well, it, it depends how... Like, I don't know. Do you include Garage Inc? Is, is Garage Inc the eighth mm. studio album by Metallica? Is Spaghetti uh, sort Incident? Of. Uh, yeah, no. uh, I okay. don't know. I mean, I think Garage Inc. I think, Gar yeah, I probably would. No, I don't know. I've never thought about it. Mm. Yeah, well, anyway, I okay, so 13th anyway, or 14th. Either, either 13th I mean, or 14th, really. Yeah. The, um, Semantics. Yeah. Kind of wish it was the third, to be honest, but <laughs> it's not that, to sure. Uh, the 14th studio album, or 13th studio album, and we thought we'd be getting Van Weezer last year, but we didn't. Mm. So we're getting this instead, <laughs> or as well as, I as should well say. As well as, yeah. Van Weezer is still going to be coming out some point this year this is the uh, follow-up to hmm, this is the follow-up to the black and the teal album as mentioned that came out in 2019 both of which are bad uh <laughs> weezer are a weird band now i that doesn't feel like it's a especially controversial opinion <laughs> to be putting forward at this point they are a weird band i mean this is a good idea in theory i think kind of doing a sergeant pepper's pastiche and i think the first song all my favorite songs is really good. I think it's right. Great. I love it. It's got that lovely psychedelic orchestral pop class to it. Mm. And I thought, wow, what a great start. Cause I was a bit like, Oh God, not a Weezer album for fuck's sake. And I really <laughs> didn't expect very much from this at all. I mean, but then it started like that and I was like, this is a fucking brilliant song. Sounds amazing. Lovely. Like the whole composition of the song is brilliant. I mean, little did I know at that point that we were just going to get them repeating that trick to diminishing returns for the rest of the record. I mean, what we've got here are essentially 12 <laughs> I Am The Walruses. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's meant to be sort of viewed almost. It's, it's split into 12 separate tracks, but it's almost like one long song in a way, isn't it? It's almost like mm. it's, it's it feels like Weezer have really taken a leaf out of like Panic at the Disco's book or something like that and made like this really long kind of musical. I almost view it as one long song with with some really good parts and some fairly meh parts. But certainly in terms of like the commercially released Weezer albums that have come out recently, it's it's by far and away my favorite thing they've done since the white album i don't think it's as good as the white album but it's certainly up there um uh, uh, with the better stuff that they have done in the latter part of their career um yeah in terms of commercially released stuff i think it's closest counterpoint is probably everything will be all right in the end which is an album that i really like you're not particularly bothered by it from what i recall not so much um no. but it's certainly it's certainly one of the latter day weezer albums which does get defended it does have its staunch defenders i think um interestingly okay human is currently the best reviewed weezer album on metacritic since everything will be all right in the end with a score of 75 compared to everything will be all right in the end 77 uh mm. the white album has 71 which i think is insane um mm. really though the thing that this weezer album reminds me of the most is songs from the black hole which we discussed at length on the pinkerton 
uh, special, an oh, album, yeah. an album that was never officially released, but which was worked on uh, as the follow-up to the Blue Album, which was meant to be a kind of strange space rock opera where all the songs um, linked together and told a cohesive story and yada yada yada. So there's lots of um, similar. There's lots of you know similar points to it and songs from the black hole isn't really an album that you can really appraise because it's unfinished and it's not complete and we sort of had a go at it during that pinkerton special but you know um it's it's it's, it's incomplete but the idea of weezer having that kind of ambition is far more exciting to me than rivers doing a dark poppy synthy album where he swears on a song which is what the last record was and just <laughs> bad yeah. you know um yeah. and I, I i one thing that you have to say for weezer like they have become one of the most unpredictable bands in the world like mm. when you just you just do not know what they're going to do next and i think there is i've got to admire that to a degree i don't think this album is entirely successful the whole way through but that idea of doing Sergeant Peppers, but weezered up and making it this kind of like one long track thing, one long song is really good on paper. And, and in practice, when it, 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 there are times when it reaches the, the, the quality of what you expect it to be, of what yeah. you expect that idea to be. It doesn't do it throughout, but all my favorite songs is an example of like, if the quality had been that high throughout, I think both of us would be really, really loving this record. Yeah. I mean, Mirror Image and Screens are kind Screens. of three and a half minutes combined. Oh, yeah. And they work, that really does work to me like one song because you get Mirror Image is this kind of big, bombastic opening. St I mean, I actually think they should have opened the album with that. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a great way to open the album because then, because all my favorite songs just sort of starts and you go, oh, it's a bit sort of Sergeant Peppersy, yeah. And then it kind of carries on like that. But I think, and you're just like, well, it's a bit Sergeant Peppery, but it's not this big mirror image is only like a minute long, a minute mm -hmm. and a bit long. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it's so, that would almost set up for this kind of like MGM style, massive musical, like did like almost like a, an overture st start. And then screens, it's kind of not entirely based fully on the orchestra parts. I think they lean so heavily on all those orchestral parts in this record. Like it is, there's barely any of Weezer, the band in in the record really um yeah they've brought on a 30-piece orchestra so it's an orchestral pop album you know it is yeah which, which is I mean, a really you know, interesting idea for weezer yeah yeah for sure i mean you got stuff like i think there's loads of little nods to their past like just done in, in orchestral obviously there is like alu gobby is just like a sort of beverly hills orchestra thing um grapes of wrath almost starts exactly the same as the first couple of songs it's just not quite as good um numbers starts like a sadder version of thank god for girls <laughs> yeah. um yeah there's i mean there's some things on it like you know piano the, the kind of sad mm. sad family life mm. which i i didn't really i kind of that was it kind of broke me a bit by that point because i was mm. like you still you're gonna do gonna be the whole way through um and bird with broken wings is like really trying too hard to be john lennon mm. um uh, dead roses i didn't respond to that well either that's a bit morbid but then 
you know, you get everything happens for a reason. It's 24 seconds long. And it, it, it is just literally someone on a, a flute playing. No, there is no other one. No. And he's like, oh, yeah, it is. And when the piano, um, that piano, that kind of ELO style piano comes in, uh, opens Here Comes the Rain. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's yeah. a great pop song. And it's proof that Weezer are actually worthy of comparisons with Beatles Beach Boys, ELO, or whoever you want to mention of that grand classic, you know, pop rock sensibility from the, the the golden era, if you like. And then when they get it right, they are they are that good. Yeah, when they get it right. They are genuinely as good as those classic bands. And I think, you know, like uh, the last song, um, I've gone through all of them now. Libra was it Libra Tarpits? Libra Tarpits, yeah. Which sounds like the theme song from a nineteen seventies romantic comedy movie, which is a good thing, by the way, and. <laughs> You know, that's the thing is with this album that I found kind of like, I agree with everything you said about it being like, oh, they're so unpredictable. And I think you could put, you could have put a few of these songs on Pacific Daydream or the Red album and it would have really improved the album overall. Mm, Yeah. yeah, Like those records. I think an entire album of them doing this is such an odd decision to make. It almost kind of diminishes the impact overall when the songs aren't up to scratch because for the Mm. most part it does sound lovely and it's such a weird idea and you do have to give Weezer a lot of credit for at least trying something new and changing and not standing still but I do feel like this is a very bizarre thing to do especially when we know we're going to get an entire album of Van Weezer rock like probably embarrassing dad heavy metal dad rock riffs in we'll see we'll see like yeah we probably will see but and and i just think like you could have mixed it up and made a really odd eclectic album probably between those couple of records but this sort of one song idea where you just do an orchestral pop album all the way through um it has to be really really consistent for that to work and i don't think this record is consistent i mean somebody tweeted us going like before we reviewed it going oh look something about how terrible the new weezer album is and i was like i i agree with you i think save for the white album this is probably the best certainly the best weezer album since the red album i Mm. would say yeah i i i think i i I think the way that rivers likes to write is i mean i've i've spoken to him in the past um i interviewed him around pacific daydream and he does have multiple projects on the go at a time and he'll write a song and then decide which you know he said to me he has several folders on his computer and that song will go into uh this folder which will be and he did actually mention at the time of the interview that he was working on an album which was a kind of piano led piano based record uh which i'd completely forgotten about because this interview was three or four years ago but then when i put this on i was like oh right this is the piano album (laughs) you know and at the time i was asking him more questions about the black album because the black album sounded far more intriguing to me um on paper than than this one did but you know this is actually a a far superior far certainly superior to the black album um it's 30 minutes long um which i think is a decent length i do agree that it 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 wavers between being really exceptionally good and fairly meh but you know yeah a fair play to them for trying something really different keeping us on our toes and to be fair to weezer they have been doing this for the majority of their career and certainly the latter half like mm. we, you do not know what you're going to get next the result of that is sometimes you get some really awful awful records really bad 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 albums 
But I also really admire them for trying it. And I think when mm. it does work, and I think most of this album works, I think it's, you know, really interesting. I will, I'll definitely go back to this. Yeah. yeah, there are enough songs on this record for me to definitely... I mean, I think looking at it now, there's one, two, three, four, four like six of the... It's half the record, I would say, mm. that is that is really good. Yeah, yeah. And for, for Weezer... In, in 2021, last, yeah. yeah. Yeah, over the last, what, about 20 years nearly. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, interestingly, I mean, to echo what this person who contacted us on online said, I, I think a lot of people have been fairly meh about this record. But then that's probably just because Weezer are releasing so much at the moment. It feels like the Black Album only came out yesterday. I know it was about a year ago. But, you know, with Van Weezer coming out in, a, in, in uh, uh god four months time like it's it's mm. coming out like beginning of may um it does feel like they're just it, it's such a crazy release strategy what weezer do you know i mean between pinkerton and the green album there were five years um but then sometimes there's periods of their career where you get three albums in fucking 18 months four if you include the teal album um mm. which is just mad and doesn't make any sense at all and i think probably does them a massive disservice and means that albums like this do go a little bit under the radar because it's just like oh it's another fucking weezer record um but i think this i think this album does deserve more than that i don't think it's an absolute classic or anything like that i don't think it's like the best album they've ever done but it would be in uh it, it's it's mid-tier weezer it's like mm. my i don't know sixth or seventh favorite weezer album out of 13 or whatever yeah well there's the first two and the green album as well was great i think and i'd probably have I'll put Maladroit Mal yeah. over this and I'd probably I'd probably just have the red album and I'd have the white album over it so yeah I guess that makes it seventh I'd uh, have the white album and um, everything will be alright in the end but I do do I prefer this to the red album I, I feel like I like it as much as the red album right, personally okay. he's mad though isn't he really <laughs> he's off his fucking head <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay human by Weezer is out now uh, it's mental. Uh, all right, let's move on to something far more sensible. Uh, Madlib, Sound Ancestors. This came out last uh, last week as well. This is a collaboration from the American producer Madlib with Kieran Hebden of Fortet. Um, it's his, I mean, Jesus, to be honest, I have no idea how many albums Madlib has done at this point. It's been it's really a lot, a lot, lot of collaboration albums. I mean, we, we recently spoke about the very sad passing of MS Do, MF Doom, MF sorry. Doom. And I mentioned the Mad Villainy album being the one that I really liked a lot. And I should have mentioned at the time that actually was a collaboration album with Madlib as well. So, um, well, this is the funny thing, because this is a collaboration album, but it's sort of being sold as a solo album, which is a little bit yeah. weird, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, so basically it's a weird one because it's been assembled basically by Hebden over um, over a hundred different tracks that Madlib sent over to him over a sort of two year period, and he's kind of reassembled them back together in an album form. And I think the result of that is a very stylistically jarring, dense, vast record, which is usually cut down into fairly quick bite-sized pieces of music, which cover many, many, many different genres over 16 twack, twacks I'm a fud then I was uh, about to say really well put and then you you fucked up at the yeah. last moment but yes, yeah, I fucked yes. up. <laughs> uh, but it's quite a lot over 16 tracks to get your head around um I think it depends, you know, it's 
how much time are you going to put into trying to piece all of this music together mm, 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 that mm. is the challenge i think of this record and it's it, it one... feels like a weird smorgasbord of loads of music from all over the world condensed mm. into 41 minutes yes it really really does and i think that is it's something you know like i it, we obviously have decided to do this record so it's up to us to say we are going to focus on this album and try and understand it uh, i have definitely listened to this album more than i've listened to any of the other albums that we've done this week because i feel like it's even when talking about you know how difficult you know how how, how um how vast cult of luna are uh and then the little different bits that Foo Fighters or Weezer have gone in. To me, this feels like the most stylistically vast record that we are doing this week. Yes, it's probably the most dynamic. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a little intro, and then it starts with the call, which has got a real kind of funky analog feel to it, which I thought was very cool. Um, which then goes into theme de Crabtree, which has this sort of almost like dilate. I'm going to put the dilated peoples, but almost reminded me of the Fugees, that kind of 90s soul thing sound to it, which again, very different from what you've already heard. And I really, really like that. And then you get a kind of pure smooth soul track called Road of the Lonely Ones, which, mm. you know, considering what we're about to talk about after this record, I really appreciated as a, a palate cleanser. Um, <laughs> Uh, with I, what we've been doing this week i really like that song it's probably my favorite on the record really the lonely ones yeah really really. yeah the, the, and I think... the, the vocals there's I, I i i'm sorry i don't know who the vocalist is but the the um, oh, I don't either. female vocals are just so, yeah soulful is the word they're just so soulful mm. they're lovely yeah yeah and i think i actually prefer this record when it's in that territory than i do to the kind of the weirder more ambient areas like that song is followed up by this kind of dance hall scat track called loose goose which mm. is it's all right you know but i guess the, the good thing about <laughs> well the good thing about this record is that i mean that's two minutes long and i called the, loose like, goose uh rhapsody of kazoos <laughs> <laughs> it's just a load of kazoos <laughs> yeah 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 it, it is but i mean i think that's the thing about this record is it, it goes it swings the pendulum swings so far like so quickly that even if you're like what the fuck's going on it's kind of done and dusted before you've even got a real chance to understand what you've just heard and then you move on again because then i mean straight after that you get dirt rock which is a dirt knock sorry which has got a bit of a kind of sneaker pimp style trip hop vibe and it's all like oh and at this at that point i was like none of this sounds the same at all like mm, it's all mm. completely different well this is the thing i think the diversity and the and the, the brevity and the diversity of this album uh are both its strengths and its weaknesses it is really really diverse and there's there's lot there's lots and lots put onto this record in 41 minutes but everything's very very short it's 16 tracks over 41 minutes the average length is probably two and a half minutes of a track yeah and there are really strong ideas on it and there are to be honest not so strong ideas on it in my opinion it all sounds lovely the production is brilliant on the record the way that it's all been put together it is a really lovely sound it sounds sleek and sumptuous very very clean um, and I, I'm immediately drawn to that side of, um, uh, I mean, I say hip hop, it's, it's not even really, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it, it isn't I, really, it's, it's, to, yeah, to, I, I, like, I think it's, yeah, to call it a hip hop album is to 
do it. I just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's far more than there's, that. There's really. a load of stuff going on. It's really schizophrenic. Um, not in a kind of JPEG mafia way, who is also incredibly schizophrenic. Um, but it, it reminded me of cinematic orchestra sometimes, you know, mm. um, in that they settle into these really nice jazzy inflected grooves and things like that. I think the only thing with that, I mean, I did just say they settle. This album never settles for me. And, and it made everything feel a little bit throwaway because it only it feels like a smorgasbord a kaleidoscopic view of music of the world um and that's cool but as a result very little sticks with me because it doesn't stay in the pocket of something for all that long and i i really like and and yeah and hence why i think the strength and the weakness of this album lies in the fact that it's really, really diverse and goes to loads of places, but it doesn't ever stay in. There are certain places, Road of the Lonely Ones, Latino Negro uh, later on the album, which I was like, I would like this album to stay in this pocket a little bit longer because I think there's more to explore here and there's more stuff going up. There's more, there's more that can be mined from this idea. And Mm -hmm. that, but it, but it's just constantly moving on to something else and sometimes it moves on to something which is equally as interesting and sometimes it moves on to you know a rhapsody of kazoos which i just think is a waste of time <laughs> um so it, it's really scattershot um i think it's surprisingly focused considering how scattershot it is in the sense that it feels um an album like this on paper would sound like it doesn't flow together at all and i think the way that it has been mixed together and collaborated together which you know you've got to give credit to your man from fortet there um it has made it feel it does have a through line it doesn't feel scattershot in the same way that ammo does so the one that we constantly bring up as an example or or some enter shikari stuff or whatever you know it does feel cohesive um but i just wish it stayed on it's stronger ideas for longer you know yeah i I, to kind of to counter that i would say that when because it does try to do so much i mean i think were this album to really expand on every good idea it would be about 85 minutes long do you know what i mean because there are lots of like i think there i think most of the ideas on this album are good and i think there is i think we said once about I can't remember what band it was, but they said they bring a riff in right at the end and they play it twice. And you go like, how good do they, that band that they can just, I can't remember what it was now. They can just throw that amazing riff that would be the best riff for a lot of people. And they just play it once and it's gone and you never hear it again. You're like, oh, so good. And in a way that is frustrating because you want to hear more of it. But I think it also speaks of like how confident they feel in just giving you a little kind of taster of this thing and then taking it away from you. And it just Mm -hmm. makes everything. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that a lot of this is so, is so, so brief um th- there's parts in it where i go you could have probably strung that i mean the one that i uh the one for quarter b stroke right now mm-hmm. which is this i think it's probably my favorite like one that. on the on the record which mm-hmm. is sounds like a sort of herbie hancock dj shadow mashup mm-hmm. and it's fucking brilliant and you know you think well, that could be eight 
12 minutes long. If they really wanted to go into it, that could be long, a really, really long song. And, you know, because it's, it's irresistibly funky and it's irresistibly groovy. And it's like, it's, it, it could sit in that pocket for a really, really, really long time, but it doesn't. And you do kind of miss it, but then you sort of immediately don't miss it because you get like two for two for Dilla, which is presumably in reference to the the late Jay Dilla, one of the kind of great hip hop producers. And I think it's the sample of the old soul record that's in that's in that song just kind of grabs you and takes you away. And, and I love how for them, I would say, yeah, there are a couple of times where the next song that comes in, you go, oh, still and this isn't quite as good. But for the most part, I love the fact that it just kind of shakes you from side to side in a really, yeah, the kind of the scattergun of it almost makes it the cohesion because you feel like you're being kind of tapped on the shoulder and someone's like, did it with a trumpet in your face. And then you're like, here's a rap. And then there's this really lovely kind of fuzzy bass. And then there's this really irresistible beat. And so much of it is sort of, is so instantaneous and so striking that, I, I just felt really, really excited by the whole thing. And is as it? soon as it finished, I was like, I have to listen to that again mm. because I, I feel like there's so much to like digest and enjoy and to just enjoy little kind of like really delicious little tidbits. It's like a massive buffet. Yeah, of- yeah. It, it's, it's, it's like walking through a music college which has students from all over the world and you spend two minutes in this room, then you move to the next room and spend two minutes in that room, spend two minutes in the next. And they've managed to make it sound cohesive which i think is really um really admirable Mm. um i just and 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 i think that's clearly what they were going for and if you do focus on the stronger ideas then that kind of makes the record something entirely different um i just i think because it it kind of embraced an idea and then abandoned it so quickly it all just felt not all of it, but a lot of it just felt very throwaway, and as a result, not an awful lot stuck with me. I also do think that I, I don't think I think as many of the ideas on it are strong ideas as you do. I, I reckon about half of half of this is really strong, um, mm. as opposed as opposed to you know most of it. Um, but when it's good, it's really really good. I was just lefting left kind of feeling like it had gone in one ear and out the other a little bit it felt like its focus was too broad in a, in right. a sense and may and and you know if that's what you're going for to create something which is a really really broad smorgasbord of loads of different sounds you know it would have been like called world music 20 years ago very reductively um then that's that's cool i i admire that and i think that's really really cool but it just doesn't kind of I, as a res, as as a result, because everything felt so slight, it just didn't really st- not an awful lot stuck, you know. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't feel like that. I have to be honest. I mean, I think this is just an incredibly eclectic, freeform, fizzy, exciting uh, album. Like uh, the whole thing, just uh, because it is so. Like pow, 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 pow. Or it's almost like a kind of video montage. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and I think it's it's been getting some reviews that suggests it might be one of the best albums of the year. Like, it's been very, very been heavily getting, reviewed. It's been getting um, some mad reviews. I have mm, to say. And and mad while reviews. I well, while I wouldn't go that far, I think it's certainly worth your time, and it really touches on 
kind of almost every aspect of a history of black music and as well as many other like you say um like different styles of music mm. as well and it feels like yeah it feels like I, I to me what i loved about it is it felt like a really cool quick vast celebratory record of so many styles and by someone who's getting it right as well i mean mm. i think why why you would look at bring me the horizon ammo particularly and go well that doesn't really work because it's like well you know how to do guitar riffs and jordan mm. fish knows how to do bits of sort of the popping but there are times where you step into territories just, where yeah. i don't really think you're capable of doing that and i can understand yeah. how stylistically like the last song which is you know this very oh. jazzy rhythm and vocal scats that they end the album on. i can understand where you might go I don't really need this. Like I feel like I didn't particularly need this, and it was quite an annoying way to end the record. Unfortunately, well, but of an ending to be yeah, it is bad. a bit unfortunately. <laughs> but you know, and there's stuff on it like there's a bit of Latin guitar which I wasn't mad keen on. But then all the bits like the kind of manic woodwind of the title track, and you know the fuzzed up bass on the new normal, which I think is fucking great. Like there's so many bit like kind of the opposite to what we were saying about cult of luna where you can't pick a bit out there's so many little bits where it just kind of you know it's just it's like i say it's like a tasting it's like a tasting menu yeah you put one yeah. little bit on your tongue and you go mm, that's lovely oh that's really you know and but they all kind of complement each other it's like going to so Taz. yeah i don't know what that is but Taz probably, the yeah. um it's the uh uh the restaurant where you pick up lots of you have lots of bits what's it fucking called what what type of food is that taz tapas Tapas, thank you. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like going to a tapas restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh <laughs> I would have said, what was a tapas restaurant that was quite big about ten years ago? Fuck, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh anyway, it doesn't matter. Fuck tapas. Fuck tapas, man. <laughs> um but I I like I I re- like I the first time I listened to it, I was like, this is a bit much. But then it made me want to listen to it again straight away, and I did. And then by the time I sort of when I started to know what was coming sort of six seven listens in once i started to know where it was about to go those swerves those changes of pace those different elements like going bang 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 mm. i was m- mad up for it yeah i really i i really really like this record i think it's fucking i was gonna say great i don't a great record would make me think like it's great great i think it's very 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 good and it's, I like it a lot. It sounds lovely, and I and I really like it when it's on, but it doesn't particularly stay with me. And five stars in the Guardian is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, anyway, Sound Ancestors by Madlib is out now. That sounds like your sort of thing. If it doesn't, then maybe this will, because this is pretty fucking different, I have to say. Portrayal of Guilt, We Are Always Alone, the second full-length album from the Texas Scabrous Hardcore Band. If this really counts as hardcore, I'm not really sure if it does. It's sort it's a sort of the follow-up. It's not sort of. It is the follow-up <laughs> to their 2018 debut album, Let Pain Be Your Guide. Again, feels like this has been getting some pretty mad love from all over the place. Pitchfork, The Needle Drop, this has been getting... Um, you know, there's always a heavy band, which those little, little, uh, <laughs> get us calling Pitchfork little, um, <laughs> th- those kind of outlets will pick up on. And this feels like one of those records that, uh, you know, from, from heavy music that are kind of bursting out from the realms of just being covered by Hammer or Kerrang or Revolver or whatever. 
Yeah, um, which I'm very happy to see, to be honest, because I think this is one of the better examples as well, um, mm. main, mainly because of the sheer amount of dynamics that um, uh, Portrait of Guilt bring to that sound. Obviously, it's not dynamic in the same way as, say, the Madlib album is, because it's sitting in a very heavy pocket. But, you know, there's bits of hardcore in it, screamo, black metal, grindcore, bits of alternative rock towards the end. Um, and it all really works really well together you never quite know what's going to come up next on this mm. record um i've always liked portrayal of guilt from the moment i heard them from the moment i heard that debut album but when i saw them open for touche amore in deaf heaven at uh, electric yeah, yeah. forum really i was talking about that that's when i was really I, I i that's when i really signposted this band as a potentially very special indeed like i was like oh wow okay i i, I got x amount from the record and it's really good but live i was just like okay this is really 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 good um it's proof that you can be skull crushingly heavy and varied at the same time those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive uh and over 26 minutes as well you know this album is 26 minutes long um and it's it's uh it's, it's the opposite of Foo Fighters in that there's a lot of fire in this album. Fuck me, this album is just fire uh, throughout. Um, Anaesthetized contains lots of quite abstract soundscapes and industrial effects that wouldn't be out of place on a Nine Inch Nails record. But then the next track, Attempting Pain, comes in all guns blazing with blast beats, a go-go sounding as vicious as any black metal band you'd care to name. And then it's followed by It's Already Over, which starts with a gentle, in relative terms, as of what we're talking about sort of picked guitar part before exploding into something that converge might have put out towards the end beginning of their career you know and that's that's probably taking five or six minutes of this record and just showing the the the, the amount of places that it goes to staying within a sonic realm that is quote-unquote heavy but still feeling really really diverse and i think they do all of it really really well as well mm. really well yeah i mean this is screaming savage blackened hate core i've written uh it doesn't give you any that the intensity of it is pretty fucking phenomenal what you've just mentioned all of those things and i think you're right to mention all of those those different ideas that they that they put in because this is not a one-paced record by any strength of the imagination but it is the intensity of the record which is turned up to 11 from the first moment that the second come in it was just sets it up perfectly mm. it's got this meld of kind of classic hardcore converge and cradle of filth that mm -hmm. in 99 seconds of that first song i was immediately into it i love the fact that they can go slow i love the fact that they can do i mean i'd say attempting pain is proper frozen blast beating i mean that's really close to just being straight up black metal to me yeah 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 and and that's but play, fine but and, played by a hardcore band yeah and you get a song like it's already over which when bands like minus or minus sorry minus. or converge do that kind of wailing post hardcore you know that kind of engorged pained wailing like which just sounds like somebody left in a ditch to die mm they do that and it's like this is fucking amazing and then like you say grindcore as well that opening drum fill and they want us all to suffer again it's basically black metal but with just a massive fucking beat breakdown in the middle of it 
It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and, yeah, um, I I think there's there's um, room for a little bit of hooks on this record as well. Like um, Matt King starts shrieking, breathe in, breathe out during my immolation, which actually well, counts as a sort of hook, I think. My immolation is like a groove metal song, I think. I mean, like, I feel like pr- an extreme, it's like an extreme version of prong. Yeah. Like, that's really groovy, that riff. But then the end of my emulation goes into this really kind of alternative rock thing, which sounds not too dissimilar to like my bloody Valentine. I think, you mm. know, I think my emulation might be my favorite song on the record. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. Cause it does so much in, in such a small amount of time. Um, I think this album starts very strongly and gets better as it goes on more or less. I mean, I, I would probably echo the chorus of um, great, you know, critical appraisal for this album i i think it's I, I love this album i think it's absolutely stunning yeah i think it's great i think it's really good i mean is it as good as the very very best bands the, the standard set by the best in the, ever is it a jane doe it's probably not quite that no, good no, no, but no. it's certainly in terms of this type of music being released today i think this is as good as any of the like the end record that we spoke about last year how mm. great that was and mm. I guess Sharp Sharp Tooth are a bit more like a kind of straight hardcore band yeah. as opposed to, you know, this is big, quite extreme. I think um, I think I, I prefer this to Sharp Tooth, personally. I, I do. Really I mean I think like I, that Sharp Tooth record. I think I prefer it to the end record as well, which I yeah. really liked yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um Yeah, this is this is really good. And let's like, not really forget, good. This is their second album. I mean, I I don't think this band do sound like um Code Orange at all. But they do remind me of Code Orange in that they bring lots of different elements into a very, very, very heavy sound. And if you consider, you know, Code Orange one, I Am King at the same time as you know, this, this is the equivalent of their I Am King. I mean, yeah, I like this as much as I Am King, I reckon. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going, oh, Portrayal of Guilt are going to be the new Code Orange or anything like that. I think they're a far different sort of heaviness for that but i think that's a really encouraging thing to say that that at that point in their career i mean you know can con- convert there's a lot of converge on this album i think and, and converge mm. the second album was um well if we're including halo and haystack it was um which we are uh when forever comes crashing no it was petitioning the empty that's sky wasn't petitioning it? the empty sky let's get those two mixed around with each other you know yes and and uh, yeah i I, th- I think this is easily the quality of a record like that you know i yep. think i, I think it's so. really 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 strong for from a band who are pretty new at this kind of thing mm. so there you go uh, there's nothing else really to say about it we'll be talking about it longer than the actual album is 26 <laughs> minutes perfect length for one of these records and yeah they do get a lot done in that time poor trailer guilt we are always alone is out now and that leaves us with one more thing to review which comes from memory of elephants the ep they've just released it's called dark flannel uh, a three-track ep from the bristolian well i was gonna say post it's not post it's instrumental trio i should say it's not post rock at all we no. reviewed beach ball in in 2019 i think you liked it a bit more than me but i do remember thinking that it was a decent record well, um I you quite liked it from what i remember yeah but you really um, liked it, didn't you? Well, I really like this band. Um, yeah. But it's it's a band fitting into that kind of punk prog mold. The likes of mm. So I Watch You From Afar and Alpha Male Tea Party and Vassar and Cleft. That kind of instrumental music, which has a lot of fire and pep and kick to it. I'd say. Punky, riff-heavy instrumental rock. Now, if that's your bag, 
then this will definitely fly by. I think the opening song, Dark Lunch, has a riff that... It's got a riff on it that basically goes all the way through, but just sort of changes a little bit over time. And I rate how much pump they got. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love that. This is like Red Fang, Kylesa style territory. Yeah. Um, you get a bit of uh, Bleach era Nirvana, which speeds up on utter flannel. Um, which is just it's full throttle rock music and i think the, what i like about this is i never find myself missing the vocals and i think there are some of those other bands i do do that but they keep this moving and they keep it so chaotic i mean the last song by phenomenon or by phenomenon is just so chaotic yeah i really liked it and there's you know it just keeps everything moving yeah to, to such an extent that I don't think you ever notice that there's not a vocalist there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know I totally agree. And I think they have a kind of, um, they're kind of embracing a lot of their more back to basics punk rock influences, particularly on those first two songs. I think the third song, BY Phenomenon, does sound like a more typical Memory of Elephants track where it sort of goes to lots of different places and there's a multitude of different parts and phrases um, which are all just condensed into four and a half minutes. That's more like the Memory of Elephants that I'm aware of. But those first two tracks, I like the, you know, that guitar riff on Dark Lunch isn't a million miles away from something Bugazi would do I don't think it's quite angular and spindly um and I mean utter flannel sounds like rival schools and minor threat jamming together and that's yeah. exciting to me you know um it's only a little over 11 minutes and it, it, it it's I suppose it's a stop gap in the sense that this is the in-between phase between their debut album and their their second album but I, I really like it. It fulfills the brief really nicely and um, it makes me excited to hear a second album, second full length album. So yeah, I think this is great. Yeah, this, this idea that instrumental music has to be this really kind of chin strokey, serious, no fun at all. And I think this is a really good example of that being absolute bollocks. I mean, I've, I, well, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, I know you have, yeah. I've been saying that for years. But yeah, I, I think bands like memory of elephants alpha male tea party cleft just totally blow that that idea of it having to be chin strokey out of the water you know and so i watch you from afar the ultimate party party band as i keep saying um like th th this is shit you can dance to you know you can dance to this shit it's not chin strokey at all it's not you know no. but you, not you bang, bang your head to this more than dance to it, i would say yeah but well either or you can move but to either it. way you can move to it yeah moves like moves like jagger Moves like Just Jagger, yeah. Bring us back to Maroon Five again. <laughs> oh, let's go back Good. to Maroon Five again. I'll definitely right, go back yeah. to Maroon Five. Um, yeah, I like this. I like this. It's eleven. I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about it. It's just. Uh, it's pretty straight, isn't it? It's pretty straightforward. Just like oh, big fucking riffs and fun and great. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. fine with me. It's slight, but it's good. Mm. Eleven minutes of big, ballsy, hairy bollocks guitar rock. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean you, by the way. I meant oh. Memory of Elephants. Dark Flannel by Memory of Elephants. That is out now. And there you go. That's it. That is the end of the show. Thanks very much for listening. As I said, um, going to be bringing back Broken Records quite soon. So we will probably give you more details on that. But if you do want to tweet us uh, or go and find us on Facebook or Instagram and suggest any albums that you think desperately should be in the list of Broken Records, you can do that. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Slow Tie. We didn't get sent that album in time. Actually, Word's going to get a stream of it. We didn't quite get sent it in time. So we'll do the Slow Tie album next week. And I'm not sure what else we're doing, but 
something else. Uh, go over to signaturebrew.co.uk, put the code RIAACT into the checkout, and you can get 10% off all of your purchases. May I recommend the Black Metal Beer again? It's very nice. And go over to patreon.com forward slash Podcast, and you will soon be getting a Sega Ross special. And me and Renfrey are just about now to talk about lovely Paul Simon. Lovely Paul Simon. And that'll be up very soon as well. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers.